You're listening to the Film Comet podcast from the Cannes Film Festival. On today's edition, David Robert Mitchell's Under the Silver Lake, Lee Chang Dong's Burning, Alice Rowacher's Lazaro Felice, Gabriel Brantes and Daniel Schmidt's Diamantino, and Leticia Carton's Le Grand Ball. But first, a word from our sponsors. Autograph Collection Hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody. Winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival, this French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. This episode of the Film Comment Podcast is brought to you by MUBI. From timeless masterpieces to festival fresh darlings, every film is hand-selected. Try MUBI free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash filmcomment for your extended free trial. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. Uh, we're here at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, day up uh, And my name is Nick Rapold. I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. And I'm joined tonight by a wonderful, uh, almost complete panel. Uh, we'll be joined by a third, but for, for, for starters, we have... Justin Chang. Hello. Thank you for having me. And where are you with Mr. Chang? I am Chang? with the uh, Los Angeles Times. Uh, and, and Eric Hines, curator of film at Museum of the Moving Image and film comic columnist. Yes, all true. And we will be joined th- uh, shortly by a surprise guest. Um, well, you know, I got to draw up suspense somehow <laughs> here. Um, so, I mean, uh, uh, you know, another couple of days, uh, another, you know, 19 movies or so. Um, I think uh, last night was the premiere of one of the more highly anticipated movies, although it is coming out in release in, in June. Uh, it's the new David Robert Mitchell movie. Uh, it doesn't he, go by D.R. Mitchell, does it? I don't not, think so. No. Not, like P.T. Anderson, yet. no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and he directed Under the Silver Lake, which I've just been assuming is a reference to, to, to the Polish film. Um, oh, what is it? Under the Silver Globe or yes, On the Silver right. Globe. But I don't know. I hadn't even put that together. But I think there's also under a cherry moon. Under a cherry moon. That's right. Who knows? Um, But that premiered uh, had its official premiere last night. Had its press screening this morning, uh, and just quite a quite a bender. uh, It sends you on. And I'm glad to have a representative from the (laughs) L.A. Greater L.A. area (laughs) to help us sort this out. Well, and I don't know if that biased me in favor of it because I think this movie has you know, some issues. It's it's very, you know, indulgent is a word that I kept hearing in reference to, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But for me, mo- it's it's funny when you, come, in my case, come from L.A. to Cannes, and, you, and then midway through or toward the end of the festival, you see this movie that uh, shows you, not just L.A., but in my case, actually parts of L.A. that I live very close to, and sometimes uh, frequent, you know, the Silver Lake and the kind of the Griffith Park and Echo Park, that whole kind of area. Even before just getting into the, the movie, which is this sort of, you know, millennial sun-drenched noir, it's almost like a millennial kind of Long Goodbye or Chinatown, it's, I was just kind of grooving on the, just the look and the feel of it, this, it's very beautifully shot in widescreen, it really for me brought home the, this, this sense of just, 
you know, he's Andrew Garfield is, is this kind of layabout guy who's like about to be evicted in five days from his, his apartment. And he's, you know, wandering around aimlessly and then starts to notice things. And it's, it's very much just a movie following him as he's sort of moving through his environment. And I was kind of just happy to go along with him as he was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think the movie, just in terms of its, its, its composition, everything, it just captured that sense of being lost, getting lost, being alone, the sense of isolation. So, um, yeah. That was this, yeah, this Angelino's perspective. But yeah, um, you know. I, I mean, uh, as uh, speaking as a car-carrying New Yorker, um, I I was completely disoriented. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, it's I. This is a movie that I, uh, by 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 all lights, I, sh- I should have really hated and been really irritated by, um, because Why? it because it is. I mean, it's almost like some sort of second coming of like a Richard Kelly movie or something, where it's it's this kind of loony trip larded with references and and just this kind of convoluted pop culture excavation and and just multiplication (laughs) and also with a kind of very luridly pop you know look to it um and and part of the part of the conceit of the film although it's not really expressed clearly or explained at all is is that um, even more so than reality, um, like there are several decades existing at the same time. Um, People are kind of dressing with, I guess I would say it's kind of retro 70s styles, a bit like as inherited in the 90s kind of thrift shop kind of um, era, but even, you know, the the dial turned up even a little bit more on that. There, no, absolutely. There was a point, sometimes you get this in a movie where you're like, wait, when when is this? Right. And there is a point where I think you see like this, I don't know if it's a flat screen TV, but it's like, okay, this is right. fairly recent. When his cell phone <laughs> rings at the one cell point. phone, which is not, yeah. you know, I, I guess it doesn't happen too often, but, you know. Yeah, it's a little more yourself. Cryptic. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean it's almost we'll, we're going to talk about the Alice Rohrwacher movie, but that's also a movie that's kind of stuck in another time. And although in the first shot of that movie, you do see like a broken down, like carcass of a pickup truck or something. So from the beginning, you do know it's in the present, but you quickly forget that in that movie. Uh, and in this movie, you also are constantly remembering and forgetting that it is set in some sort of alternative present or t- alternative future. Um, with with kind of its own celebrities a bit, um, but also very recognizable in the struggling actor milieu. And, and um, without making a, a real point of the curdledness of that, it's it's weird that it balances those tones somehow. It does, yeah. and you know, it's so referential that I I know that you know some people are saying it's like a hipster Ready Player One or something. You know, <laughs> that it's that yeah, heavy kind of funny. throwing. You know, it's very you know there's yeah. there's you know uh, Thomas Pynchon and Aaron Weiss and just you know and and Coen yeah. Brothers. It's kind of his almost his Big Lebowski kind of reach. And and I know what you mean about yeah. almost the the danger of overreach, perhaps because you know he's coming off um, It Follows, which was yeah. uh, played here in Critics Week a few years ago and was really, you know, the movie was well-received all over. That that movie was, of course, you know, this, this horror film where it was working with, you know, kind of a real economy of means and form. And it was very concise and the, the very, you know, I think very rigorous. And here there's a sprawl to this movie like, yeah. I mean, and very, very fitting again and for its its locale. It's it's just kind of, yeah. And I, I don't know that it finds its rhythm all the time. I definitely, yeah. there you know, it, it's kind of trying to be not a head trip movie perhaps, but it's trying to get you on this kind of pokey wavelength that I, I think it, it does falter for me here and there and it's and you you do start to wonder what is the point and is this this sort of noirish mystery that he's investigating, you know, is it even worth caring about right. it? And by the end it's kinda of like, no, nah, not not really. But 
it's a vibe piece, you know. It's the it's the vibe that kind of um, yeah. kept me watching. I mean, it, I guess it does ostensibly have some sort of idea to it, or a couple of ideas, in that it's pretty intensely nostalgic for uh, for a, for the idea of decoding the culture, um, as opposed to the culture just being something that's so much around you and so constantly happening at all times in in every way that you know. It's, there's not even a map that you could make. This is back to the quaint times, like 25 years ago, when you could somehow, you know, look at a cereal box and, and there's a conspiracy theory. Now, just we live in a conspiracy theory, kind of, in the sense that there's constantly a matrix being generated and made, you know, uh, 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 in, in media. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but we can set that aside for the moment yes. because it is very much a rabbit hole that you can disappear into. I mean, Andrew Garfield actually, I thought was he's really good. I think, yeah, uh, he he yeah. carries it in a way that that you kind of need need it to. I mean, he does he provides something of an anchor, you know, and yeah. and, I, and I like that he he's very engaging, almost too engaging in a way because mm. he um, I, I like that he's playing a character who's such kind of a jerk, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know, which well, is, yeah, you know, doesn't which doesn't sound like a, a revolutionary idea, but it for him, I think it kind of is actually. Yeah. He's he's kind of playing against. Um, type to some degree yeah it is and he and he 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 almost overcomes it we can sit up another step if you want <laughs> you get, i was wondering why you guys were, i don't know why yeah. sorry we, we were we, yes. <laughs> anyway um oh andrew garfield he he does play a jerk and i have to say there is a moment toward the end of the movie where i almost like just dropped the movie i, I mean, know exactly what you, you and, know, I, and too. I yes and this, i couldn't because yeah. fig- i couldn't figure it out and i thought they give himself an out as well when, when they bring back a character who could kind of address this problematic monologue, which is not positioned in any way or framed in any way or ironic, as far as I can tell. Uh, it was a very strange moment, uh, which, yeah, it makes you just think, is he smarter than this material or not? Yeah. Um, kind of, he's kind of, he seems to be crossing back and forth across that line consistently yeah. throughout the movie. And there's this kind of, yeah, these wonder two at least I count moments of just kind of extraordinary violence that sort of you know is yeah. perhaps fitting of the genre that it's indulging and uh, sending up but it threw me too and I, I almost checked out myself but it did pull yeah. me back in yeah I don't know I mean that there's that kind of that's something he's kind of working with in the whole film of having these kind of naive fish swimming in pop culture and um, I don't know that's everyone a lot of I mean I guess that's that's one reason it keeps going I mean you have characters who are you know basically not actors but saying they're struggling actors and they have to work as as uh, escorts and somehow it's still light and fun and they're still going out to you know parties and everything and there's definitely problems in the movie but it uh, it sure glides along somehow um, with i think you feel too just the director's you know he's a transplant and there is this sort of it has this kind of insider feel and yet this sort of still there's this kind of besotted glow to the way you uh-huh. know there's this one one party scene where they're playing you know it's like play chess with beautiful women or something like this it's like you know it's like these <laughs> this chess party and so it's like these yeah. models and actors and actresses or whatnot and it's just i mean this is nothing new right i mean it's like it's not something new he's putting on the screen but it's you get that sense of just the alienation and just these, these beautiful useless people hanging out yeah you know? yeah and just playing with all the kind of high low aspects of that and that's it's shuffling all that and that's probably uh, eric sitting here and just hasn't been able to get a word <laughs> no, it's in okay. I, just, I didn't see the film because so he, he, he uh, didn't, didn't travel to silver lake while we're here reporting from the croissette those who aren't with us can still enjoy the films of can 
Mubi is presenting a fantastic lineup of favorites from past years of the festival. Now showing on Mubi is Yared Zekele's debut feature, Lamb, an enveloping, humble story nestled in the calming landscapes of rural Ethiopia. Lamb is a rare modern film thoroughly invested in the power of the natural world. Discover this along with 29 other hand-picked films streaming right now on Mubi for free. Just go to mubi.com slash film comment to claim your extended 30-day free trial. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Xavier Legrand's Custody. This French domestic thriller about a bitter custody battle will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. Sight and Sound called it, quote, the most dazzling fusion of grim social realism and giddy genre thrills since Christian Monjou's Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Winner of the Silver Lion for Best Director at the Venice Film Festival, Custody opens June 29th at IFC Center before expanding to select cities. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and autograph collection hotels. Indie filmmakers and screenwriters tell stories that inspire and connect us. And at Autograph Collection Hotels, storytelling is in our DNA, enabling travelers to connect with each other and places around the world in a memorable way. This dynamic cultural program is anchored in three key programs, screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S. and Canada, a portfolio of beautiful hotels and key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting autographcollectionhotels.com. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. So what, what, what did you see, what did you see, Eric, that uh, we can talk about? Uh, that well, we I mean, well, I think we all just walked out of burning. Yes, in the sense that we watched it we to the completion. We walk out in anger. And then walked out. <laughs> no, 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 we didn't. We left. Right. We all, yes. No, yes, we all left <laughs> we all together left after the conclusion <laughs> of burning. I heard all the critics of the Film Comic <laughs> Podcast walked out of burning. <laughs> Yes, we did. That was the, uh, I guess, first um, press kind of press screening, and uh, I don't. I don't um, do you want to? I'm terrible at. It. Oh right, the summary part. If you uh, could start the summary, I can always jump sure. in. Sure. I mean, the <laughs> burning is uh, burning is, I guess, mostly about a, a young man who's on a farm. You know, I guess, in, basically inherits a farm and is keeping it running, but then crosses path, crosses paths with. Um, a rich guy with a Porsche who mm. is involved with a childhood friend of his uh, who he also bumps into. And then it, it's hard to describe where it goes from there. Yeah, it's sort of, for a while, it's this kind of triangle and this sort of, you know, uh, town and country kind of a dichotomy. You know, this, this is, the, yeah. the farm is located in a town called Paju, which is, uh, you know, South Korea, very close to the, the North Korean border. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, but the movie crisscross very meaningfully. I think goes keeps going back and forth. For they're 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 driving back and forth uh, between Paju and and Seoul, uh, where uh, rich guy played by <laughs> his name. Can we just uh, play? He is played by Stephen Yun, a uh, very you know well known um, who who is in, interestingly working. You know he was in Oak, Bong Joon Ho's Okja last year, and he's yeah. working. And now this is the new film from uh, Lee Chang Dong. So he's really kind of. You know, crossing off the big uh, South yeah, Korean auteurs. That's of funny. Late. Um, yeah. And he's and, and yeah. oddly enough, he's also in Sorry to Bother You, right? Oh yes, that's yeah. He's yeah, coming yeah. on. That's right. Well, I also just want to say that it's a Murakami adaptation. Yeah. Yes, which I don't think we've said yet. 
That was apparently a very uh, deviates from the story, which I haven't read yet. Well, that's what but, I was yeah. curious about as yeah. well, how much yeah. it deviates from the story. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, and, and Lee made uh, Secret Sunshine mm-hmm. last, yeah. right? Secret um, Sunshine and then Poetry, which was right. eight years ago. So this is his first film in the eight years since right. Poetry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's been having public office since then. Is that correct? Yes, he has served as uh, South Korea's Minister of Culture. Uh, I am not certain of the time frame. I'm actually talking to him tomorrow, so I should either you should find out or I'll figure it out before I do that. Mm-hmm. But, I almost um, wonder if it's been like two terms. Like that's what he's it, been doing for years. <laughs> yeah. It's there, there is a story there for sure in terms of what, why it's taken him this long? I know there was there were other projects as okay. well, okay. of course. So, but then I, I think I, you know I think this one came together fairly quickly once yeah. it settled on this okay. Murakami story. But yeah. well, it's it's, it's, I, I, it's I, I'm curious for us to start talking a little bit about it. I think it's the sort of film that deserves better than we're going to be able to offer it, having just walked out of the theater yeah. because it's a real. It's got a gut punch to it. It's you don't really know what you're watching or where it's going a lot of the time. At least I didn't. Um, and every time I thought I did, like there were moments where I started guessing where it might be going and I was wrong. Um, I, I don't, I think it's actually a really, I mean, it's in terms of point of view, um, it's pretty amazing in terms of, yeah. um, this one young uh, man's point of view and his, uh, his relationships with both this woman that he's in love with and this man who is getting be- getting between them. Um, there's a sort of love triangle develops, but it's a very lopsided, strange one because two seem to care, but those two care about different people. Um, one doesn't care at all, it seems. Um, but I think a really important aspect of the film that gathers over time is the element of class and where mm-hmm. each of them uh, sits in that space. Yeah. Um, and uh, that only gets more complicated mm-hmm. as the film goes on. And I really, really appreciated that, which I think is the seeds of what where the film goes without giving anything away. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I, I think that moment-to-moment unpredictability is something that Lee just does. It's just a defining characteristic of his, you know, I remember seeing Secret Sunshine, which is like one of my favorite movies of the past decade. I remember seeing that here in Cannes, and it was just, it, it, that movie changed my life in, in a lot of ways, I, I like to tell people. Um, and that's true of poetry, too. There's this thing he does where it's like he avoids foreshadowing and he it, 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 del- deliberately, and, and it's thing, it's you're you're going one direction and suddenly you're just something you know happens and then what's impressive in, in this film in, in burning is that he is also giving you details of the past even as he's doing that you yeah. know and in ways that develop i think very very organically but he he just he's a master of um you know just psychological portraiture of this you know and he he's kind of specializes i think in like sort of lump them all together in a very loose category you know f- very fragile souls damaged souls in a way and then yeah. this one um and and yet at the same time he, his view is so balanced that there are you know there's never any doubt who the protagonist mm-hmm. of this movie is but then the the the, the woman um, and who is very damaged in her own way and, yeah. and then and then the Stephen Yeun character who is just sort of kind of this <laughs> describe him. he's just sort of half the time of the movie he just seems to be sitting off to the side and just kind of smiling and looking at them in a way that is so unnerving and kind yeah. of very sturdy in his in his very privileged handsome you know and 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 and, and there yeah it's without giving away too much of course it it it's something kind of new for lee which is that it becomes a thriller of sorts right. you know right. um, and I, that's kind of all i really want to say to that because it's not just by my saying that it, i don't think it gives you any sense of how 
that plays out. You're even confused as you're watching about whether or not you should be reading it as a thriller. Yeah. I mean, there are, there there are, are music cues that come in, there but otherwise, you don't necessarily know. Um, it's, it's and it remains like very meditative in some ways. There's a lot of so much of this movie is just driving scenes. They're just driving, and um, the the main character is sort of driving, and um, yeah, and that can be this very kind of just calm kind of contemplative thing and yet it takes on uh, a, a tremendous uh, suspense and urgency as, as it as the movie continues there's a moment where I'm like are we in, is there going to be a car chase in one of these films <laughs> oh, I yeah. know like the last thing no, I thought absolutely. I was about to see was it, a car chase and there wasn't really it, it, but felt, it felt almost like a like a Darden Brothers movie at the point where I love it when the Dardens like bust out a car chase <laughs> yeah. and then you realize I'm like oh they, they can like toss off these action scenes in their sleep you just choose very carefully when to do it yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we now have our uh, surprise edition. <laughs> to, uh, we, we, of course, carefully engineer this to, to have a, you know, a second act. This is our car chase right now. <laughs> um, but we are, have been joined by... Hi. Hello. So, yeah, I've been chasing you, not cars. Um, <laughs> Mara Gour Mercado from uh, the Montreal International Documentary Festival. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, welcome back, I should say, since, yeah. of course, you were on our true-false marathon. Yes, I was. And lived to tell the tale. <laughs> so we were we just catch you. We were just talking about Burning, the film that we all were watching just downstairs. Yeah. And are we, should, anything else? with that? I, I, One thing I would say, mm-hmm. you haven't talked at all, but I, would, I, I'm, I want to put it out there, yeah. is that I wonder where this is going to sit in terms of other festivals distribution because I do think that I'm not sure I think there might be some people who really just don't know what to make of it mm. in a way that the previous films maybe I, I maybe I'm wrong but no, I'm, 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 I was curious yeah. about that walking out because I didn't get the sense of the room being like that was a masterpiece it was more of like I don't know what I watched which is a great thing I think to walk out of the theater yeah. with but this being the festival that it is I'm actually curious how it's going to play yeah I, I would agree you didn't get this, this that kind of you know, sense in the room of, of, of something brilliant just happening, even though that's kind of how I felt. Right. Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how they play out. But it, so what shall we jump to, Mara? Do you, you want to just kick us off on the uh, Lice Rohrwalker, perhaps? Yes, Lazaro Felice. Lazaro Felice, yeah, which somehow I think we really haven't, haven't covered. Uh, it just goes to show either A, uh, how busy a few days have been, or be that I was a bad host. <laughs> I think but it came up a couple times. We did, kept thinking yeah. we were going to get to it. Yeah, so yeah. now we're going to get to but, it. Because we've yeah. all seen it. Did you guys see it? We've yes. all seen it. Yeah. Okay. So. I had heard like weird comments about it. People being like, nah, I'm not sure, blah, blah, blah. And I went in, when was it? On Monday morning? Uh, Monday morning, evening. And uh, I was actually really surprised by the film. I, I loved it. I thought it was... Um, subtle and uh subdued um a very like visually and visually beautiful and all the um references to uh mythology and uh catholicism catholicism that thing catholic church um and uh (laughs) and also the uh the actor the main actor lazaro right his his face is just like he looks like a alfresco painting out of like he would just walked out of a an italian painting from somewhere dewy too he looks sort of like not fully like he's got some his dimensions are 
like paint like like a painting as well. They seem to sort of the canvas and his face seem to sort of somehow come to, I don't know the the surrounding area around his I don't, something about him that feels soft in a yes. way that is not in a wonderful way. Absolutely, you know, there's absolutely. A, there's a real glow to him. He's extremely expressive without being at all overtly emotive or even just plain emotive throughout the movie. He is. It's a one of those kind of seemingly entirely reactive performances where people are just you know he he plays this young man on this um you know this estate in the 1980s and uh he you know um one of a group of uh, community of sharecroppers and people are just always constantly giving him orders right and left and like lazaro do this and that and fetch me that you know it's and he just sort of diligently does and and as the movie goes on he he does kind of represent this sort of just this this goodness this compassion this um and and i I am glad that I like this movie as much as I did because I sometimes have a real impatience with kind of the I don't know the the holy fool right. subgenre of movies. <laughs> Whether it's you know there's there's the being there and the you know the maybe the least kind example to bring up would be Forrest Gump or something. But um, right. It's, right. but it's, it's Italian no, magic realist Forrest Gump, right? Um, <laughs> but no, I, I usually don't. And but this one I think pulls it off. Um, and he, you know, you. It, it, I, through just I don't know, tonal subtlety, and, or, or just um, and just and, and a real sense of mystery that is quite beguiling. Um, through, I feel it's, like everything yeah. goes through his eyes, you know, and you, you can his face is almost like so blank at times that you can project whatever you see as being goodness onto him. And I mean, I remember talking with people when we got out of the screen. Is is that allowed? Can I talk about the fact that, yeah? yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were saying, we, we were wondering, is he like a very good actor? Or is he just someone that's very like bl blank face and it really works, right? Because right. It, it could really go both ways. It could even be a non-actor who is very, you know, got a few di directions and then you ask them to mm. just follow the lead of the others. Mm. But I really thought that also the other characters around, you know, the the crop, how do you call them? Crop? Sharecroppers. Sharecroppers. Is that the right term? I think I saw it in the press. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <I> so <laughs> the sharecroppers. Like, I used to think of it in an Italian context, but yeah, for well, me. And, yeah. and it's an issue because um, is, I don't want to give too much away of the, but the turns of the film, but it's something that had been outlawed. And so they were doing something that had been outlawed. Um, and so there's, which is interesting, which is a really great aspect of the film. I think you're watching something and you're like, this is, oh, that's interesting that this kind of living is happening here. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, oh, well, this is completely anachronous and it, it needs to be anachronous. <laughs> like, you know, um, it, uh, but I think, I think his character is fascinating within that because it becomes that it's a bit, it, it's a film that I think the more you describe, it sounds diagrammatic. Holy Phil, holy fool, yeah. okay, who's going to be a mirror to everybody else. Mm -hmm. There's one good person in a, in a society of evil or self-serving people. and But then also um, this notion of we all need somebody to order around no matter how low we are in society. Like Again, that sounds diagrammatic, but in the film it plays quite naturally, I think. When mm -hmm. you see people who are living in, in, a, in a, you know, people without means, people without power, people without kind of control over their own lives, but they find ways of having control. They find ways of having pleasure. They find ways of having power over others. Um, and Lazaro winds up being that person who everybody can order around. But there's a reason within the 
within the dynamics of the film, which is that he's not really related, or it's not certain that he's related to anybody. So he's sort of like a bastard child in addition to being the simpleton or however it is. And that makes a certain amount of sense, that if you have this extended family that has a sort of hierarchy within it, that the sort of bastard child would be the one, potentially, that gets taken advantage of. But there's also the case that happens in families, I think, too, that somebody who doesn't somehow doesn't mind that or can mm. take or absorb that or even be aware of the fact that oh I'm the one who has to sort of take this on because nobody else can um, I just felt like there were so many things about it that sound mythological that sound f- uh, fabulist and mm-hmm. those are there it's embracing them but it I feel like there's an internal logic and there's an internal world does it it creates its own world that really compelled me from it, the it does and it's and there's a specificity to just you know there's there's an astonishing number of characters in it uh for reasons that I, yeah can't really give away without uh without giving it away um <laughs> i yeah. thought that uh the the filmmaker uh and i'm, I'm gonna massacre Alice. her name but alice rock watcher right um, I think we've, we've all tried and probably failed to get it right. <laughs> Don't worry. I thought it, like, I, I, it felt like she was very free in making this film. Mm-hmm. That she made it mm-hmm. like she wanted it to be and that she had complete control on the material and what she was doing. And you can feel it through the film that she really had the liberty of putting this film together. That's a bit of an um, anachronism. Um, please translate. Anachronism. Anachronism. Yeah. It's a bit of a film that's... In subject and execution and as well. And execution, yeah. exactly. And I thought that was really beautiful to see that here in Cannes also. I think you, actually, I think you put me on the right frame of mind. It's <laughs> something about the way, the way the movie kind of coheres visually. It's, it, it's, it, it feels, it struck me as like a movie that it, is, has been very carefully worked out, but mm. has this very artless kind of appearance. The way mm-hmm. it's shot, the mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's it's, she does a little kind of cutesy device uh, where the rounded corners of the frame, giving this again kind of s- this kind of steeped in the past look. Um, very handheld camera work and shot just on sixteen millimeter, right? Sixteen millimeter, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and, and 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 just the way the camera just moves around people, it, it feels very spontaneous. But then it 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 has been very carefully worked out it's um, and very so it, controlled it's it, very yeah. controlled and, and continually surprising as a result yeah. and I, 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 I've been thrilled by this film and several other films that I probably am not able to list off necessarily but how many f- films by filmmakers uh, that are working at a really high level that are not drawing attention to their craft and not drawing attention to what they're doing visually and I think this is like a really great example of that where there is a confidence to it, but it's not saying, check this shot out, look at the thing that I'm doing. It's not flashy. It's not at all, but it's beautiful. It's great. I feel like it's very, um, it has a very European feel to it Mm. in that, like, you know, not flashy way. Yeah. And it works really well. Yeah. Well, and I think thoroughly Italian too, without being too indebted. And I think some people have talked about, I think, a little bit too much about how, oh, it's this little Pasolini here, a little Fellini here. And those are things that are there, but I just don't think that it's wearing those too, yeah. too heavily, closely, yeah. heavily, yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've um, there's more that can be said about it, but I also just want to make sure that Mara has a chance to talk about maybe uh, another film since we've been going on for a while. Well, I mean, I could talk about Diamantino, but <laughs> you I'm kind of scared. Uh, we haven't talked about that no, one. That's a no. fun one to talk about, I think. Have you seen it? Uh, yes. yes. Yes? I have not. 
just you and uh, it's in, it, that was in Critics Week, I want to say, yes. Semaine de la Critique, yes. Uh, and Gabriela Brandes and Daniel Schmidt. And Daniel Schmidt, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's how to how to describe it. Um, like a flurry puppy. <laughs> the whole movie is like a furry puppy. Yeah. Well, I would have liked to have seen a flurry, a fur, flurry, a furry puppy <laughs> this week. Well, there yeah, is a kind flurry. of flurry of puppies. Fluffy? A flurry yeah. of furry puppies. Um, actually, now that I think about it, we, we may have mentioned it a little. It's, I mean, the, it centers on this hapless like soccer player, football player. I think, actually, we did, we did talk a little bit about it because I remember having to distinguish between soccer and football somehow. Um, but it's this poor guy who just gets, is just totally just, uh, you know, screws up a big goal and then has these two sisters who are like, speaking of mythology, they seem like they're two, you know, harpies or something that all they yeah. do is scream at him and steal his they're money. They're twins, yeah. And they're twins. Uh, and at this, and they, they like enroll him in some weird like genetic, it's, it, part of his movies that its plot is so wild and bizarre. And then the puppies, do you want to explain the, the puppies, how that works? Where <laughs> so they basically, let, let's be honest here, like the character is based on Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you've never seen an interview of Cristiano Ronaldo, you need to go and watch it because you'll recognize the character. Um, so the puppies, basically when he's on the field playing uh, football or soccer for you guys. Um, we he, speak both. We're bilingual. Um, we're, we're bilingual. We're bilingual, we're bilingual in, yeah. in football and soccer. Amazing. Uh, so he plays football and what he sees on the field, instead of seeing players, he sees puppies uh basically and so that's how he can be such a good player yeah, yeah um and the weird experiment that the sisters drag him in is uh by the government of portugal that is trying to build a wall between portugal and the rest of europe and wants uh portugal to get out of the eu right, right. um so yeah. it's a mix of like political satire and pop culture satire and then just a lot of sparkles and uh, I'm not even sure that I liked the film but I laughed a lot and it felt also like a very free movie Mm. yes he did whatever and I'm not gonna swear (laughs) he did whatever he wanted to do (laughs) and in the way that he wanted to Uh, and he felt I don't know I felt the joy of his filmmaking while watching it. Yeah, I think that's really, yeah, that's absolutely tr- true. And, and that's, yeah, that's what makes it so fun to watch because you don't know where that's going to take them in a way, you know, and it's, oh, is, it, is there going to be like a genetic experiment? Well, of course there is, you know. <laughs> um, is there going to be like a spy who is smuggled in in the form of like an adopted by posing it as, an, as a refugee. Yes. I mean, is there going to be that? Yeah, that's also in there, yeah. too. Um, who can also, I don't know. I mean, politics, Trump, refugee crisis, yeah. everything is there. Wow. International adoption, puppies, yeah. rainbows. rainbows. <laughs> what more can you ask? Nutella. 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 You're Waffles. selling it very well, I yeah. have to say. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, in that sense, it almost has the freedom of like a like an experimental short or something. Absolutely, you know? mm. yeah. Um, it, even the look of some of it, especially like those puppies, the way they appear, it there's a kind of like lo-fi CGI to it that you know you you might might you might see in I don't know. I want to grab a filmmaker out of the air, but like um, James Hello? Cameron. Avatar, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what? He, it made me. It made me think of this uh, Canadian uh, visual artist, uh, oh, John who? Raffman. 
Oh, cool. ah, okay. Yeah, it has something like I don't know visually that yeah just kind of popped in my mind. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say about it. But the, you want to talk about the CGI breasts? The CGI boobs. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. Well, a side effect of his. Oh, could you? <laughs> his, I, I yeah, or repressed it. I don't know. It's a side effect of his genetic testing. Yeah. Or is yeah that he begins to get like breasts and that basically um he gets very self-conscious about it because he's also filming a commercial he doesn't understand which is actually secretly a proper game yeah yeah and then you know do you want to talk about the fact that his adopted child is actually a girl undercover spy right and he ends up falling in love with her who's a lesbian right that's right yeah there's so much stuff in there it's just very as you said, free and playful, and and he himself maybe he's a kind of Lazaro himself uh, in, in a way. This this kind of perfect. Actually, you know what? Knife. He you know? really is kind of a Lazaro. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Montino. Yeah. Pretty much what I saw, and oh, also um, uh, Le Grand Bal. Le, did you see that one? No. Le Grand Bal is by uh, Laetitia Carton. Mm-hmm who is out of uh, Lusas, you know, she works oh. a lot with the documentary uh, festival oh, in Lusas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she presented uh, her shorts and her previous films there. Mm-hmm. And it's actually about uh, this uh, grand bal, uh, this uh, grand ball. Yeah, dancing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Traditional dancing in uh, France where uh, they gather for uh, seven nights and eight days to basically learn traditional dances from mm-hmm most of it France, but also from all over the world. So uh, mm. Greece, uh, Belgium, Germany, etc. Mm. And it's all traditional music groups and people who dance to that music. And the filmmaker, she rediscovered her uh, roots and her family heritage through those uh, mm. balls. Wow. And the film is just basically very clean and very... Uh, simple about her experience in those uh, in that event, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the su- the subject didn't really I didn't really connect to the subject, but it was so beautifully shot and so mm-hmm. masterfully shot, and she has a lot of shots of uh, group dancing, mm-hmm. where uh, she kind of uh, changes the focus on peop- different people's faces and different people's like hands or you know, feet or mm. it's, once again, it goes back to painting. It has a lot to do with mm. how she enhances the beauty of the people dancing. Huh. So it's, it, it wasn't a coup de coeur, but mm-hmm. it was interesting. That sounds quite, quite lovely. And um, it actually brings back fond memories of all the various dance scenes and all the movies that we've seen here, because it occurs to me a that lot. just about every movie or every other movie has had a dance scene somehow. Really? Oh, really? You had another experience? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> First and only. Please. Oh, really? Oh, tell oh, me okay. about it. Um, I, well, let, let's let's do that. We actually probably should wrap up now because people have to have to go on to other obligations. Uh, but if maybe each of us parties, for example, parties. <laughs> parties. I'll I call like- them obligations, then it sounds more professional. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody, winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival. This French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. Don't forget to check out Lamb, now streaming on Mubi. 
claim your extended 30-day free trial at mubi.com slash film comment. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash film comment. Autograph Collection Hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else.